Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. This is Politico Energy. I'm Josh Siegel. The Environmental Protection Agency is aiming to finalize the first ever federal drinking water limits for toxic forever chemicals, which are impacting potentially millions of Americans. On Tuesday, regulators announced they will seek to curb the levels of six toxic PFAS chemicals in Americans' drinking water, which are linked with cancer, reproductive problems, and a wide array of other health issues. If finalized, the rule would spark the first major upgrade in the safety of the nation's drinking water in three decades, and at the same time, it would impose hundreds of millions of dollars in new costs on American households. So today, Politico's Annie Snyder on the details, costs, and regulatory hurdles of EPA's new drinking water rule. It's Wednesday, March 15th. On Tuesday, EPA proposed the first ever federal limits for six toxic chemicals in Americans' drinking water. These are chemicals that have been widely used for decades and that are thought to be contaminating 200 million Americans' drinking water. So it's significant both with respect to these individual chemicals and also because if this rule is finalized, it will be the first time in nearly three decades that EPA has regulated a new contaminant under the Safe Drinking Water Act. And this particular rule, because of the technologies it would take to treat for these specific chemicals, would actually have the effect of removing many, many other chemicals from Americans' drinking water. So it would really represent the most significant upgrade to the safety of American drinking water in decades. Wow. And so remind us of the danger of PFAS substances and how they got into our drinking water to begin with and how prevalent they are in society today. These chemicals, called per- and polyfluoroalkyl substances, or PFAS, they're often dubbed forever chemicals because they have a really strong chemical bond that makes them extremely useful at resisting water and other liquids. So they've been used for decades in everything from nonstick cookware to camping gear to stain-resistant carpeting to food packaging to firefighting foam used by the military and airports across the country. So Americans have come into contact with them in their daily lives for decades but they have also made their way into our drinking water supplies. Part of the reason that they're a problem is because that really strong chemical bond that makes them so useful also makes it so that they're really difficult to break down. So once they're in the environment, they stay there and they accumulate. And the same thing happens in our bodies. So like I said, we actually don't have great monitoring data to tell us exactly how many Americans drinking water is contaminated with these chemicals, but some good estimates have been done that suggest that they could be in as many as 200 million Americans drinking water. Got it. And then this proposal would also target chemicals that are in active use that replaced PFAS chemicals. So why was that a surprise? Yeah, so this regulates six different types of PFAS. We had gone into this knowing that EPA planned to regulate two legacy forms of PFAS. They're called PFOA and PFOS. These are chemicals that were used for decades for all those purposes that I just described, but the industry phased out in 2002 and 2015. And the health harms of those two chemicals are pretty well established. And so EPA did set a drinking water limit for those two chemicals, PFOA and PFOS, at an extremely low 
low level. Basically, if a water utility can detect either of those chemicals in its supply, it has to treat for them until the levels get so low that it can no longer detect them. But the thing that came as a surprise was that EPA also included limits for four other types of PFAS, some of which are in active use. And in fact, two of the PFAS included in that are the very ones that industry shifted to when they phased out PFOA and PFOS. And so that is seen by environmental groups as a really important step for the agency to take so that they're not constantly playing catch up as industry shifts to new chemicals. But industry, on the other hand, argues that these chemicals are each different and that they need to be evaluated for their safety individually. So this move that the Biden administration made is going to be a really important fault line as we watch this regulation move forward. Right. So like many regulations, cost is the biggest concern cited by opponents. So who's footing the $772 million annual cost of this proposal if if finalized? Yeah, so this is for sure a pricey drinking water proposal. That $772 million cost that you just cited is the cost both for upgrading drinking water plants to be able to treat for these contaminants, but also to run those systems on an ongoing basis. And the way that the law is set up right now, those costs are going to be passed on to consumers. It's going to be the responsibility of people who pay monthly water bills to foot the bill for those upgrades and those ongoing costs. Now, the Biden administration is working on a separate rule that would designate those two legacy chemicals, PFOA and PFOS, and potentially others, as hazardous under the Superfund law. And that would offer a mechanism for the government and for other entities to require the polluters who put the chemicals there in the first place to foot the bill for cleanups. But that, like this rule, is a proposed regulation. It's far from final. And even if it does get finalized, it would take years, if not decades, of litigation, presumably, to be able to actually recoup those costs and take taxpayers off the hook. Yeah, to that point, what hurdles are still out there before EPA can actually finalize this rule? Yeah. So this is a proposed rule right now. EPA is taking public comment on it, and then it has a fairly tight timeline under the Safe Drinking Water Act for finalizing it. On Tuesday, EPA Administrator Michael Regan said that he wants to see this rule finalized by the end of the year. That's a pretty ambitious timeline, but I think that many people who followed these issues are going to look at that skeptically. This rule was sitting at the White House in interagency review for five months, and it actually took a pretty concerted public and private effort from some pretty big players to shake it free from the White House. The fact that the Defense Department has a huge financial liability for this contamination is certainly something that's going to make it challenging going forward. We've seen the Defense Department play a role in stalling and weakening environmental regulations in the past, including ones that have to do with PFAS. And if it goes final, this rule will be the first one to get finalized under amendments to the Safe Drinking Water Act that went into place in 1996 that made it a lot harder for EPA to set new limits. And so I think we can imagine that there there would be litigation over it, lawsuits seeking to overturn this rule. And I think it's anybody's guess how that would play out. It's untested. Also, the state of Ohio is suing Norfolk Southern and is seeking to recover an unspecified amount of damages related to the February 3rd derailment in East Palestine, Ohio. The lawsuit alleges the company violated federal and state environmental laws, along with state common laws, on negligence, public nuisance, and trespassing. The state is also seeking compensation for damages to natural resources, illegal disposal of hazardous waste, and more. The railroad has already spent $24 million on relief and recovery efforts in the area, and has promised to maintain a presence in the community for the foreseeable future. 
For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our free newsletter at politico.com slash power switch. And subscribe to Politico Pro to read our morning energy newsletter. Some of the music in today's show is composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Josh Siegel, and we'll see you back tomorrow. Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. Chevron is developing renewable diesel made with biofeedstock that can help reduce the life cycle carbon emissions of heavy-duty transport fuels today. Learn more at chevron.com.